Titus chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. Titus chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. The title of the message this morning is Peculiar People. Peculiar People. And uh, I know that you're probably thinking, looking around your neighbor, that's a very fitting title for the people of Maybank. But that's not what we're talking about. Last week, we learned where we should be looking while we're living. Looking unto, unto Jesus, right? Looking to that blessed hope. And the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul said, while we're living in this sin-cursed world, verse 13, we should be looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we thank God that we have a blessed hope to look forward to. And that's, uh, the, we, we've learned about the promise of our blessed hope from last week. But now the Bible is going to tell us about the purpose of our blessed hope. We have a promise, thank God, to look forward to. But we have a purpose that we're to live out in an expectation for when Jesus comes. Jesus came for us. Jesus is coming again for us. But why? What is the purpose of our blessed hope in Jesus Christ? Perhaps you think you know. Perhaps you're right. Perhaps not. In our text today, Paul tells us that the Lord Jesus is the one, look in verse 14 now, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us. Redeem us. Now the Greek word translated redeem here is luo. Luo. And it's where we get our word loosen from. Loose, right? So... Uh, I love language, and it's very fascinating to study where our roots come from. But this word redeem in the Greek, it means luo, to loosen. And uh, so we're thinking about here, when we're thinking about redemption and the New Testament aspect. We're thinking about loosening or untying and thus setting you free from the chains that bind you. You see, you were born into sin. Every one of us were. And because you were born into sin, you were born chained to sin. If you could picture chains up there, you, you were born chained to sin, chained to death. And there's nothing you could do about it. Every one of us were born that way. Everybody dies because everybody is bound to death because they're bound to sin. God demands death as a just consequence for our sins. It's right for sinners, offenders, to die. The legal and righteous chains of God's justice binds us to death. Adam passed his sin nature down to us. We're his offspring. And being the sins of Adam, we're bound to Adam's lineage. There's nothing we can do about that. Every one of us were descended from Adam, the first man. And so we're bound to our ancestry. You can't change that, can you? Everyone in here, if you think, well, I don't want to be bound to my father and mother's ancestry. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to change my DNA. We can't do that. We're bound physically to our ancestry. We're bound to Adam's 
ancestry. And so we're we're bound to his lineage. We're bound to the wicked world we live in. We're bound to the sinful flesh that we're born in that he passed down to us. We are naturally, legally, righteously bound forever to Adam, to death, to the judgment of our sin. And Paul says that Jesus gave himself for us that he might redeem us, that he might loosen those chains that bind us and set us free from those things. To do this, Paul said Jesus gave himself for us. He didn't give money to redeem us. The Bible says we're not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. His life was the cost of your freedom and my freedom. He gave himself, putting himself in our shoes, taking responsibility for our sins, experiencing our judgment, our death, defeating our enemies, securing our resurrection. And changing our biological heritage from Adam to himself, to Christ. That's amazing. I I went uh, yesterday to have lunch with my parents and see one of my grandkids and my daughter and son-in-law and... and, uh, and Lauren and Lauren had the shirt the shirt on that says the gospel changes everything. And I said, Boy, I like that shirt right there. The gospel changes everything. The gospel's powerful enough to change our lineage. He Jesus gave himself the loosen the chains that bind us and set us free. Look back in your text, set us free from all iniquity. See that? Jesus' death and resurrection breaks all ties between us and Adam. So it sets us free from our former association with all sins. It loosens the chains to every single offense we've committed against God. Every single one. So that we're no longer legally bound to any of them. Not our past sins, our present sins, or our future sins. What a blessed Redeemer we have. We ought to sing that song sometime. I hadn't heard that in a long time. Blessed Redeemer, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. But Jesus didn't only give Himself to loosen us from our sins, He also gave Himself to bind us to His holiness. He doesn't set us loose, like setting some ship loose on the on the ocean with no rudder and no sail, no steering wheel. He, he doesn't do that. He sets us free from Adam in all of his sin and death that he might bind us to Christ, his life and his righteousness. As we, as we have borne the image of the earthly man, the Bible says, so we're also going to bear the image of the heavenly. Paul said that, uh, he gave Himself to redeem us from our, all of our iniquity. Look back in your text. And purify us. Purify us. Now there's a difference here between being redeemed and being purified. They're the same, but they're not the same. You see, Jesus gave Himself, and this is the purpose of the blessed hope. He gave Himself not just to set us free, but also to purify us. Not only to remove the chains, but also to remove the stains. 
not only to make us free, but to make us holy. He redeemed us to purify us. Look back in your text. To purify us unto himself. We were bound to Adam in impurity and the iniquity and death. And now we're going to be bound to Christ in life and righteousness and purification. The, the, the chains were loosed. And now being bound to Christ, the stains will be gone. Fascinating that Brother Shepherd spoke about uh, the leprosy that once had been on uh, Naaman and now was on Gehazi this morning. And uh, that really ties in with our sermon today. But he did this so he could purify us unto himself. That is, we're going to be pure toward God, living for him, a peculiar people. Now, this word peculiar means different from the rest of the people. So that those who are still bound in Adam to his sin and to his death, those people who he sets free from Adam and joins to Christ, that they're going to be different from the people that are still bound over here. Jesus didn't come and die for you so he could set you free from the rest of the world so that now you being free from Adam through his death and resurrection, you could be the same as the people who are still bound to Adam. Now what good would that do? If he redeemed you but, may, but left you the same as you were still tied to Adam. That'd be no good at all. He came to redeem us, but also to purify us unto himself a peculiar people. Different from the rest of the people who are still bound to their Adamic chains. When God put Noah and his family on the ark, do you know what he did with them? He made them a peculiar people. He said, well, I'm going to set you free from this world and I'm going to make you different from the rest. You've got a different destination. You've got a different outcome. You're going to be a different people. Everybody else will die. But I've got special plans for you. And you know what? God has something special planned for you if you're one of His redeemed. If you're a believer in Christ, He wants you to be different from those who are unbelievers out of Christ. He wants you to be a peculiar people. Special plans. Everybody else will remain forever bound to their sin and condemnation. But those who put their trust in Christ as their Savior, they're going to be purified unto Christ. That's going to happen. All presence of sin one day when our blessed hope comes, all presence of sin will be forever removed from you. In that man, can you imagine? Is simple and Easy it is to breathe. You don't even think about breathing most of the time. You just breathe in the background. It just comes natural. And one day, God's will will be as natural to you as breathing. It'll be wonderful. All presence of sin will be removed and we will joyfully forever belong to Jesus. Right now, we're like the Israelites who were in the desert. They're stuck right in between two places. The place they came from and the place they're going. That's why I wrote that book, Leaving Egypt. They're, they're, they're stuck right in between the place they came from and the place they're going. 
We're no longer in Egypt, thank God. We've been redeemed by the Passover lamb. We've been saved from our sins. But we're not yet in the promised land either. We're not yet living in the kingdom of God with God ruling here on earth who David was a type of. We're no longer lost in sin, but we're not yet uh, sinless in Jesus either. We've got a lot of flaws still. So while we're here, while we're on our journey from one place to the other, our redemption from sin is so that we might be a people on earth who are different from the rest. People who are, look back in your text, zealous, zealous of good works. Christ gave himself for us that we might eagerly be about God's business right here and right now. That's what zealous means. Like I'm really excited about this. I'm really, uh, this, this is something that, that uh, I'm really into. I, I want to make sure and serve the Lord and, and redeem the time that God's given me here on earth. I want to put it to work for His, His glory and His kingdom. That's zealousness. I'm excited about it. Eager to do the work of God while we're waiting on our blessed hope to come. What are you zealous for? What are you really excited about? Excited about traveling? Excited about whatever? What, what, what motivates you? What inspires you? What drives you? What is your passion here on earth? The devil wants to incite your flesh and get you to be zealous and passionate about things that won't matter 50 years from now. Is what you're doing here on earth, is what the zeal that you have, is it going to matter in eternity? If not, your zeal is misplaced. What are you pouring your time and energy into? If you're not pouring it into accomplishing the work of God, then you're missing your calling and wasting your very brief time here in this life. What's the purpose of our blessed hope? Our God and Savior Jesus Christ, Paul said, will come again one day. And when He does, He will appear, we read last week, in the glory of God. He will overcome our enemies. He will right all the wrongs that have ever been done. And He will make all things new. If you're taking notes, write down Revelation chapter 21, verses 4 and 5. Revelation 21, 4 and 5, which says this. It says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow. Can you imagine never being sad again? Can you imagine never having anything to be sad about again? nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, not even a little, not even a little pain. Neither It says, for why? The former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, behold, I make all things, all things new. And he said unto me, right? For these words are true and faithful. It is true and faithful that all things are going to be made new through the Lord Jesus Christ. That includes the heavens above us. That includes the earth below us. That includes me and that includes you. All things are going to be made completely new.
And it goes without saying that if Jesus is going to make us new, then He's going to have to make us different than we were before. Isn't that right? We've <laughs> got to be different if He's going to make us new. Right now, we're sinful. We're old. The human race is old and worn out. We're, we're, we're broken. And we're fallen in every aspect of our human nature. It's been well said to err is human. One day it won't be. One day it wasn't long ago. It wasn't human to err. So in order for Him to make us new, He's going to have to make us different in every way. He's going to have to bring about a radical, glorious, holy transformation in His people. And causing this holy transformation in our lives is the reason He gave Himself for us. So He could redeem us, break us from the chains, set us apart from Adam, and say, now I'm going to make you different because I'm going to make you new. This is the old, but now old things have passed away, and now all things are going to become new. They're new legally today. They're going to be new experientially when Jesus comes again. You see? Legally the chains are broken, but experientially we're still waiting for our blessed hope. To remove all former trace of Adam and to make us appear in the image of Jesus Christ, as the Scripture says. That's the reason for the blessed hope. To put us over here. This holy transformation will be Jesus' final work of our salvation. Restoring everything and making it new. It's why He died for us. You have to understand because our concept of the gospel and of salvation is so short-sighted. It's so fleshly actually. It's very selfish when you think about it. It's very carnal. Jesus didn't die for you on the cross just so you wouldn't go to hell. You, you get this. He didn't just die for you on the cross so you could go to heaven. <laughs> That's the way a lot of people understand it. In the Old Testament, a person who had the plague of leprosy was declared unclean by the priest. And once he was declared unclean by the priest, that leper being unclean, as Brother Shepherd said this morning, he had to dwell alone outside the camp of Israel. He couldn't come into the kingdom of God. He had to be outside the gates. Leviticus chapter 13 tells us about that. In verse 46, Leviticus 13, 46, the Bible says, All the days wherein the plague shall be in him, he shall be defiled. He is unclean. He shall dwell alone Without the camp or outside the camp shall his habitation be. Isolation. Separation. That's why the Bible, the Bible says we'll be cast into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's that separation. God is light, the Bible says, and in Him is no darkness at all. And so people who go to the lake of fire, they're going to be put into outer darkness, outside the camp, away from all light, all life, all love of God. Because of the uncleanness of their sin. It's important for us to understand that leprosy in the Old Testament is a picture of sin. That unclean man, in his flesh, uh, he, he, he 
was inflicted by this awful disease and in the same way in our unclean fleshly Adamic nature we're inflicted by the disease of sin far greater than leprosy. Leprosy can get the body. Sin gets the body, soul, and spirit. It gets us all. When the leper was put out of the camp and separated from those who are unclean, again, it's a picture of, uh, of sinners being separated from the holy things of God. You can't enter in here. You'll pollute it. The Bible says when the kingdom of God comes and our blessed hope comes, nothing can enter into that kingdom that can defile it. So all of them have to go out. And perhaps someone's thinking right now, well, why would God use or why would God need to use the illustration of a leper, a man with leprosy cast out of the camp to represent sinners being cast out of God's presence into hell? It's because we don't learn things very well. <laughs> we need graphic illustrations to drive things home to us when it comes to spiritual truths. People are spiritually weak. They're carnally depraved. And we need object lessons like this to help us understand God's love for us and God's purpose for us in the gospel. Under the Old Testament law, the leopard could only enter that camp one way. And Brother Shepherd spoke on that this morning. And that's if the leprosy was gone, if it had morphed into such a way that the priest could deem the leper clean. Once the priest could declare the leper clean, then he could come back into camp. That's the only way. Now suppose you were that leper. Suppose your body was inflicted with sores and you had all kinds of diseases and there was nothing that you could do to get this leprosy away from you and one day somebody came to you and they said I have good news I have very good news there is a priest in Israel who has compassion for leprous people and that priest is willing to declare you clean and let you come into the camp that sounds pretty good but there's one caveat about the good news the only problem is the priest couldn't make you clean. He could only declare you clean. So you'd still have the leprosy. Your body would still be eating away. You're still going to die from the disease. But the priest will wave his priestly wand and say, I declare you clean. And by that formal declaration, he then lets you into the camp and finally you're in the camp. With everybody else. But you're still dying of leprosy. You're just in the camp. So the good news was you would be considered clean and allowed into camp. But you'd still be actually unclean with your leprosy. On the other hand. Suppose there was a priest that had the power. Not only to declare you clean. But he had the power to make you clean. To remove all leprosy. Every last bit of it. So that your flesh would be new again like that of a little child. Fresh new skin. And somebody told you the good news about that priest. So hey I've got good news. I've got a priest that will make you clean. And once you really are clean then he'll declare you clean. 
And then you can come into the camp. Now, which of the two messages would appeal to you? Would you just want to be declared clean and then come on into the camp and still keep all of your leprosy? Or would you want a priest that could say, be clean? And now you're completely clean. All of your skin is completely new. There's no infection whatsoever. Now you can come into the camp and enjoy your life in the camp. Which of those two good newses would you want? Newses? I don't think that's a word. But which of those two messages would you want? You see, the blessed hope that we have in Christ is not about getting us into the camp of heaven. That's not what it's about. It's not, a, it's not to get us into the kingdom of God and declare us clean, being justified by our faith in Christ. Justified meaning declared clean. The blessed hope is to rid us of our sin altogether. Not just to declare us clean from sin, but to make us clean from sin. That was the issue with the Old Testament priest, you see. In the Old Testament, the priest had the power to declare you clean. But they could only wait until you were clean. None of them had the power to make you clean. That's why God made the law like that in the Old Testament. He left the priests powerless. They could only look and say, well, nope, still got it. But then you come back and they'd say, oh, well, it's gone. I declare you clean because now you are clean. But they, they couldn't have a, lep, a leper come and then them look and say, ah, you have leprosy. In the name of great Jehovah God Almighty, I make you clean. And then they become clean. None of those priests had that power. That's why when Jesus came, that's why the healing of leprosy in the New Testament was so important. Here he comes, the true high priest. He came to fulfill and to be better priest than what that Old Testament law. The Old Testament law showed us our need, but it couldn't provide our need. Jesus came and provided our need. And that's why one of the lepers came to Jesus one day and said, Lord, son of David, if you will, you can make me clean. That leper understood. He said, I will be clean. And he was clean. That was a little sample of the blessed hope. That was a sample. There was a greater spiritual lesson behind that. That same Jesus who made the leprosy go away, of which was a type of sin in the Old Testament, that same Jesus is going to make our sin go away. He's going to come back from heaven with a shout, with the voice of archangel, the trump of God. The dead in Christ are going to rise. And those of us who are here, here still alive and remaining, the Bible says we're going to be transformed. In the moment of the twinkling of an eye. I wonder if one of the words he's going to say when he comes is, My redeemed be thou clean. I don't know. But I know we will be clean. That's our blessed hope. I don't want to go into the kingdom with my sin and my leprosy. I want it all gone. You see, the purpose of our blessed hope for the here and now is that Christ might redeem us and purify us. Paul didn't want us to miss our earthly calling right now. 
He wanted us to grow in our purity from sin. To, to live as much on earth today as we shall one day when Jesus comes again. God wants us to live like the Jesus we're going to be, not like the Adam we once were chained to. You see? And he says now in verse 15, he tells Titus, these things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. He's saying, speak these things. Tell the people. Let them know what the blessed hope is for. Exhort, encourage the people that they may be zealous to do God's work today. To not live like lepers chained to Adam, but to live like purified people unto Jesus Christ. He says, exhort, encourage them to do that. Then he says, rebuke. In other words, Rebuke by these things. Correct the people when they walk contrary to the purpose of the blessed hope. If you're living like everybody else, what's the purpose of being redeemed from Adam? What are you waiting for? Is what Paul's saying that pastors should be telling people. Stir yourself up to live like Christ today. And do it all with the authority of God, he says. Don't be bullied into remaining silent, preacher. Look in your text. He says, let no man despise thee. Don't let the furrowed brows of the church members discourage you. Don't let the disapproving remarks and actions of others discourage you from telling them what they need to hear. You know, a lot of times I'll, I'll, I'll preach here, and I've told you before, I'll tell you again, but I, I'll preach here and I'll say things that I, I think, oh, well, here it is in the Bible, I've got to tell it. And I tell it and I think, well, I know somebody that may be struggling in this area here, and I'm thinking, I hope they don't think I'm just up here preaching at them, because I'm not. I'm just preaching the Word, and I'll go home and, and I'll... I'll I don't worry about it, but I, I, I go home and I pray, God, help me not to have made them angry. Now, I don't want to make anybody angry. But I'm no good to you if I don't tell you the truth, the whole truth. Because God loves you and He wants you to be a peculiar people, zealous of all good works. And so don't let the disapproving remarks discourage you from what others need to hear. It's better for men to despise you, Titus, than for you to displease your God. I'd much rather have a furrowed brow from someone in the pew than one from the God who's going to judge me that I have to stand before. Better if a person seeks to do God's will... I am convinced that they'll never despise someone who encourages them to do God's will. Does that make sense? If someone in the pew, if you're really seeking to do God's will, then if, if the pastor comes up and reads from the Scriptures and encourages you to do the very will of God that you're supposed to be seeking to do, that would never really displease you. You think, ouch, that may hurt a little bit, but that's exactly what I need to do. He says, Titus, you've been commanded to preach these things, so preach them with all authority. Christian, because a lot of times you may not be in the position to fill the pulpit, but you have been in position to talk to your children and your grandchildren and your neighbor and your fellow church member. 
And this all applies to you. Don't fear the power of men. You preach and work in the power of God. Looking for that blessed hope and remembering that Christ gave Himself to you to set you free from the chains of Adam, to make you different from the Adam you came from, and to make you like the Christ who's coming for you in the end. Be that peculiar person, purified and zealous unto all good works. You say, Brother Richard, I'm really not sure how to do that. I'm not sure how to be zealous and do all those good things. I'll tell you this. If you'll get the zeal, God will give you the knowledge. If you'll have the intent in your heart, God, I want to be that way. See, there's nothing in your flesh that can make you zealous. I've seen people all the time, the, like the man who wrote in yesterday. He'd, he'd say, well, I, I want to live for God. So he'd, he started Bible college. Started going to Bible college. And while he's in Bible college, he meets some girl, and then they start shacking up together, living in fornication. He ends up quitting Bible college. He tries again. I don't give it another try and live for God again. You see, there's nothing in our flesh. In the whole long email that man wrote me, so discouraged at why he can't live for God. Do you know what was never once mentioned in that email? The gospel. That's right, Brother Shepherd. Not one time. It's just religion. He's been going to Wesleyan churches, Mennonite churches. No gospel. He's just trying to give it the old try his flesh. And there's nothing in your flesh that can empower you to live for God. It can only come through the gospel of Jesus Christ, through the new birth. If you'll get your heart truly wanting to serve God, say, God, give me that zeal. Give me that heart to serve you. Make me that peculiar person that you want me to be. Help me to live like the blessed hope that's coming for me wants me to live I promise you God will give you the wisdom you need it may take some time it may take years but he'll give you the wisdom you need and slowly transform you as you seek his will study his word and committed to living according to what it says I promise you he will he's a good God that's what the blessed hope is for faithful is he who promised you, who also will do it. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you for these precious people. I thank you, Lord, for each and every one who took time out of their day to come here and to hear your word. Thank you, Father, Lord, for being such a straight shooter with us, Lord. Not cutting any corners, Lord, but being so plainly spoken to us in your word. Thank you for the blessed hope. Help us to live for that purpose, to be the peculiar people you want us to be. I pray for each and every person here today to know and experience your perfect will in their lives and that they will not waste the short life you've given them. Oh, I pray it in Jesus' precious name, Father. Only one life so soon will pass. Only what's done for you will last. In Jesus' wonderful name I pray. Amen.